Welcome to the Boiler Podcast. Guys, we are live. एवरीथिंग डिंग that too but if you remove like the pandemic scene i'm not talking about the movie pandemic i'm talking about real life pandemic yeah i know you're talking about real life pandemic but i'm just saying that if uh let's say if there weren't a pandemic would we still work remotely i think that is a percentage a, a good yeah a good percentage of people working remotely but so i went through that same buffer report in 2019 2018 we have been doing for the past 3 4 years i'll say so there are a lot of uh, remote workers there is a big uh, culture on yeah. right there is yeah a, yeah there's uh, a huge culture of remote remote work uh what so, is that nomad list guy and that whole community is promoting remote work since forever hmm yeah and they have they have huge number of paying users and uh, you know remote work digital nomads category they also list jobs remote work jobs and all for the longest time much before the pandemic and everything that totally makes sense but i feel like that's uh, restricted to a few industries only uh, because if you take into consideration let's say manufacturing restaurants uh, yeah obviously you can you can't remote work in those industries yeah like farming agriculture um all of that then you like all of that can be automated but that's very far out into the future like maybe 2030 years from now yeah i think we'll we'll move towards a point in time where everything almost all work can be done remotely yeah so would you so. would you put this What? time under like that the the industrial revolution that happened like way back right? forget the exact year I think the next two three years will define that, but yeah, I think we are definitely moving towards 
such a scenario. We are moving to the remote work, yeah, but that's still like industry specific in in a lot of ways. No, that's what I'm telling you. For every, I think every industry will move yeah. towards remote work in one way or the other. Like for farming and manufacturing and all of that can be automated. You can supervise from home. I think that whole automation industry 4.0 thing will eventually lead to this. But here's the thing: like if we see that you know a lot of these things will be automated, will that uh, reduce? Uh, the human connections that we have with other people because we're so isolated like we end up working from home we don't have to interact with people we end up interacting with like say screens or robots wherever we go let's say to a hotel or a restaurant uh will we lose the element of uh, social connections or interactions with other humans like we forget how to already happening if you ask me in the past uh, whole this whole lockdown situation only i think that's that's happened quite a bit where i'm like ah okay now i have to go meet people yeah i think people are very comf- i mean not all of them but i think quite a few people are very comfortable with not meeting people right it's no more an obligation to meet people it's a ch- it's now it's it's very it's now a very clear choice if you really want to meet somebody or not and there is nothing to do with social pressure to meet people or things like that yeah i'm saying uh, the, the two extreme ways to look at it one is that we forget how to interact with people the the second one is the positive which is you actually uh, see the value in talking to other people so every time you meet, go to meet someone you don't take that interaction for granted but uh, you actually value the conversation or the interaction that you have with another person which makes you more like a better human i don't know if that's the right word but i think right now because we talk and meet and like pre covid and pre lockdown we would meet and talk to a lot of people and we never really uh like cared about it like we took it for granted we took social interactions for granted but now we actually value them more yeah that i agree but now we also know that it's a a lot of it is maybe not really important and you can prioritize things much better now true like that's one way to look at it but the other part that i'm trying to get to is uh, because you don't have those like quick interactions where at work you can just get up go to someone's desk and you know bounce an idea off of them uh in the longer run does that reduce say innovation uh or idea uh, people coming up with new ideas and things like that because that's not possible anymore yeah i spoke to someone that is the exact example that they brought up like you know all of this remote work and everything is fine but that social interaction even at work where you know you probably catch up and speak to people at lunch or at coffee breaks or in the pantry or you know if you have an idea just go and bump somebody walk up to their uh, you know their cabin or something like that and bounce it off yeah i think that is a very big part of so social interaction that's missing from this whole remote work scenario and that and it can get very isolating for people 
it also depends a lot on how your personalities are if you ask me mm. oh, yeah. if you are the, the kind of people who will always reach out to people for anything then then probably it makes sense but let's say if you are like an introvert who needs to be goaded to you know probably socially interact and everything i think that those kind of people will probably generally end up isolating themselves even more which i don't think is the most ideal scenario for them i agree so i wonder if there's like enough data to prove like which model is better for productivity but that will also be a function of the types of individuals who work Correct. who are part of that test one and the type of industry you are in also so mm. yeah see i mean i don't know i mean i personally feel that it's a uh, currently we are all considering a very different example currently it's not it's not a average regular remote work right like there are remote 100% remote companies in the us even since 5 years now but that doesn't mean that you know they never had a social life or they never were interacting people and things like that it's only now that the situation is such that where everybody is gone 100% remote or 100% in isolation that's not really remote work i think people have a very wrong notion of what remote work is uh you know i mean and that is very 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 clear i think uh, this is not necessarily remote work remote work just means that you can work from anywhere and not being stuck in your room which is where that whole you know digital nomad culture comes into play where you can travel you can do what you want to do you can work in whichever time zone you want to work currently what we are doing is you know you are just stuck in your room and you are not allowed to meet people or you can't meet people that's not that's not remote work at all that that is not what it was ever meant to be your kids were still supposed to go to school you know you are still your day to day life still remains the same currently nothing is the same yeah so yeah that's there true. will be a lot of people who will assume this is remote work and maybe not want to ever show interest or ever try remote work if things go back to normal whenever things go back to normal but i think once once things go back to normal people will be used to the notion of remote work basically what it would do in at least like big cities and everything is save time on their commute save time from yeah, yeah that is, that's a given but i just also think that at least maybe in countries like india or you know maybe non american or maybe non european countries maybe people people might still consider remote work as you know sitting alone at home and working for 14 hours a day or at least in the developing nations mm-hmm. that's true because on an average regular day if you were doing work from home you would still work only from 9 to 6 you would not work from 9 to 12 in the night mm. yeah probably not just 9 to 6 as such but you would work i mean you are at least you are expected only to work from 9 to 6 you are not expected to work from whenever to whenever there is a need i think remote work also gives you that option where you don't need to have a 9 to 6 working time but i think you are more driven by deadlines and tasks so exactly that is what remote work is supposed to be but the notion that we have right now is that you wake up in the morning you start working till your dinner time and you are just stuck in your room and you don't have time for anything else <laughs> that's true that would also be like a function of the kind of 
remote work environment or expectations that your company or team sets for you also yeah everybody is still learning and exploring right people still don't know how to go about it so people are doing whatever little bit they can to make remote work fun but there is only so much that you can do to make remote work fun also like i was reading something 2 3 weeks back that there is like hardly any uh, uh slack app which allows uh, remote work engagement or you know employee engagement apart from taking surveys and feedbacks and polls which is all work related so there are now some slack apps which people have launched which which has quizzes which has fun quizzes which has some team building activities so on so forth i also think the whole uh the tools that are being used right now are meant for maybe part distributed workforce but not a complete remote work workforce so so i came across this channel for new tools also to come out i think so i come across this tool which uh, pretty much uh, duplicates your workplace remotely so each of you will be given a certain uh uh state workstation or a cubicle or something like that and you know where all your uh what do you say people are sitting and so the same scenario of you going bumping into a person's desk and something like that you can find that other person's That's desk cool. ping ping so, him so like and stuff the, like that yeah on your screen you actually see a desk layout with the people and you just click on one of the desks and you, yeah, you click on one of the desks and start chatting with them or do video calls yeah, so with them yes there is uh, in fact there is this uh, indian startup only which i came across called airmeet uh, they do they do online conferences so they have a very cool feature where if the conference is like at 3 o'clock you can join at 2:30 you know there are tables virtual tables you can join a table you can chat with the people on your table then 3 o'clock uh-huh. the conference starts the you know the screen changes to the speaker and the moderator or whatever and then there is a common chat you know like your zoom chat then again after the conference is over you can go back to your table and then you can you know disperse and that's from the viewer side on the host side they have a green room which is you know a bunch of moderator speaker panelists whatever they have a green room for them so you know this 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 is an indian startup and they are doing really well in terms of uh, uh online webinars and things like that so it's a slightly different take than your regular zoom so i came across them through one of these online workshops only and i was quite surprised pretty decent experience yeah, yeah i think a lot of people are going that way like for example this is a this is the tool that i was talking about unremote.com so they do everything from webinars they are calling it remote offices online classes meetings and conferences link in bio listeners detailings they are bio mein lekin we need to help our listeners yeah true what are the other tool you are talking about aditya airmeet airmeet.com that i have used quite a few times to attend some workshops uh, and your uh, the the initial guys movers in the remote work space were that nomad list guy peter i think his name is or something yeah, like yeah nomad list is pretty well known also yeah 
so they were all the initial guys and i think they they are true to remote work like they they are they are true to traveling the world and you know they live 6 months in different countries 6 6 months each whatever and they have they have enough amount of data which they show on their uh, website in terms of simple things like air quality and things like that and how safe each country is yeah yeah they also have that whole uh... filtering of countries by various social economical environmental factors yeah, and yeah. stuff like that trying to figure out what is the right place for you hmm but what do you guys think are the so yeah remote work seems like it's it's like very liberating it makes you i mean the the lot of no you are not stuck to a routine or you are not stuck to one single location no it, it, it is quite liberating oh yeah yeah no what i was trying to say was like the, but it still comes with limitations now now those limitations will be a function of like the kind of a company you work for or the space that you are in Uh, no, even is... in the tech space, I think it's pretty much like how people give the example of uh, AI and automation, right? That uh, it it probably will never replace people. It will probably help people perform better. I think that's what remote work is gonna do. You will maybe still end up going to work once a week. Maybe you'll still end up going to work once a month, depending on yeah, yeah. things. The point that I was trying to make was for synchronous collaboration, you need to be in the same time zone. So if people like are in different time zones then that will limit synchronous collaboration. Yeah that is that's a given that's why I think even if you see Shopify and all these guys who have announced to go remote they have remote jobs as per uh, time zone division. So you choose if you want to work remote Asia you know remote XYZ remote XYZ and I think that's largely to do with the exact same problem that you're saying. so that you are then, at least in 50% in the same time zone maybe yeah then the second do question do you need to be in the same in the same time zone is the question yeah so so that is one uh which is what i said right like if you want synchronous collaboration in the sense that you want to work with all of your peers or your team everyone is in the same time zone right i mean yes your other question might be that you might choose to work say in the nights Yeah. compared to peers who might want to work in the day yeah which i get like that can be one's choice but uh, i'm assuming that majority would want to be in the same time zone just because schedules are easier to match like people working from 9 to 5 9 to 6 yeah and i think in terms of convenience definitely the same time zone or similar time zones work yeah uh but i think also largely the world has gotten used to working or collaborating across time zones like for example the biggest thing can be the it industry with india and the us you know there are so I many know. companies that cater to us time zones yeah and but it's such a pain like i've been in that space where i was working in india and i had to work with teams in the us it is so like i didn't like it at all because i would work in the india time zone with my team in india and then i also have to work with teams in the us in the night right so there was never like you'd end up working like 15 16 hours a day just because you have to work with other time zones also right right yeah that makes sense yeah definitely uh, similar time zones 
would probably lead to more productivity convenience as as such and then the second limitation i want to bring up was compensation so okay. so let's say you're in the same time zone but you're in different countries where the pay package and the market standards are totally different and but but the talent and everything is the same so my so i could say be working somewhere in south america and uh, i could be working in a team with a team that's based in north america mm. so now the question is will i be paid based on market standards in south america compared to my peers who get paid like bay area salaries or new york salaries and and will that be so i think it it depends on like how companies are willing to compensate talent across the world yeah based on market standards how should they ideally though i how think should that's, they? that's the question yeah so if i know that my peer is getting paid let's say 300000 right in like the bay area but i'm going to get paid let's say 150000 that could be the upper limit somewhere in south america like the market right. standard let's say let's pick brazil as an example yeah standard of living economic yeah yeah like 150 grand is great to live in yeah. brazil again yeah. i'm just doing random numbers this may not be true but will people say that no if someone's getting paid 300000 in the us for who's at the same level as i am same position as i am then i need to get compensated equally because this is an american based company like us based company Hmm. No, I don't think so. I think there will be end of the day. It's gonna go back to where you are working from because that's the taxation you are gonna do, and that's how the company is gonna work. Because it's not one five people, right? It's thousands of people across the world. Um, yeah, but which I is think why the smaller the smaller ones will be doing the trade off that you are saying, which you know maybe sitting in India, you can maybe get a salary of an engineer, which you probably get in the Bay Area. uh you know if you are as good there is a probability of that happening i think maybe when the team size or the company size is slightly smaller but not not at a very large scale like any of the big big tech companies i don't think they'll do that no that's not a question of what they'll do or they won't do i think what we are speaking more here is fundamentally what uh, fundamentally what is the ideal way to do it yeah then like then if you're talking about small companies getting uh, if you see small companies getting you know probably paying somebody in india it's a bay area company paying an indian engineer the same salary as they do to their bay area engineers i think it's a bigger hit for them than bigger companies trying to compensate equally across the globe yeah it's easier for larger companies to do that than smaller companies but the present reality is that smaller companies are more willing to do that Because Maybe the smaller you, companies are, will do that because they really need that that talent. That's all it boils down to, right? Otherwise, the, nobody's going to pay you five x sitting in a country where you can, you know, maybe you will you will get people at much cheaper price. So, no, but but that's the thing, which is that if I'm yeah. paying you like American salaries, let's say in India, let's let's use that as an example. So, a developed country paying uh, developed country salaries in a developing country. so the people who are working in india uh, for them it's a, it's a good way to for, for the us company it's a good way to attract talent right because they're paying them a lot more to stay in india and uh, reap that benefit of like the higher standard of living with the extra salary that they're getting paid 
Yes. But what do you think should be the ideal solution? I honestly, for me, if if you ask me, I think as companies go global, I mean, I don't see it happening anytime soon. But I think over a period of time, there will be economic parity all across in terms of the kind of salaries that they are paying. Uh, but ideally, it should go. It should get there. But I don't know when and how. So yeah. So, so here's how I see it. So now that as we're talking about it, like I'm, I'm a resource, I'm an employee or I'm a talent. Uh, and uh, I work for a company that has locations everywhere. So now I get to pick, like, do I want uh, like a Bay Area salary, but the economic environment or like standard of living in a developing country. So there I'm making that trade off or compromise to live in a developing country but take Bay Area salaries. But if I want to live in the Bay Area, I'm getting Bay Area salaries, plus I get to live in a developed country. Yeah. So it, it depends like how, like what people are willing to compromise. So fine, I live in the Bay Area, I'm paying higher taxes. My standard of living is going to be like average, but I'm in a developed country. You're, uh, you're gaining that whole infrastructure advantage. Exactly. But I can choose to take the same salary and move to a developing country. Uh, but there the compromise is that it doesn't have all of the infrastructure in a developed country. See, but, but there the decision end of the day is purely in terms of the overall volume also right now. If most of the countries I mean, from the West will have an office in the East for only the reason being, you know, it's much cheaper. cheaper talent. Yeah, oh, yeah, for sure. To hire that people. So if, if you see if that's the trade-off that's going to happen where if I am if I have to pay the same salaries that I'm paying uh, in the West, then I might as well hire the entire workforce from the West. I mean... No, but then we're talking about talent, right? Like there are some, there's a lot more, there are a lot more engineers in like Southeast Asia versus engineers in... Uh, yeah, so there are people people. already moving uh, to the West, right? There are people who are companies who are calling people there as well but there is still a huge amount of huge number of people who are still stuck in the southeast asia region i think end of the day it's it's gonna unless there is a universal benchmarking happening there no company is gonna you know pull a trigger on it saying that you know you will be compensated as per your capability irrespective of wherever you are staying uh, at least, I mean, I don't see that happening, at least maybe in the near future, maybe at some point it might. But I think that will also have to do a lot with standardization across where, you know, if one of the big tech companies do it, that will be like a huge pull for them for talent. Maybe some some might end, you know, some will end up following the same uh, route to maybe retain their talent. Right now, the decision, I agree with you, I think, but right now, the decision big tech companies have made is that if people decide to move to a different country or location, they will be paid per that uh, market standard. But should they do it also is a bigger question. That's exactly the reason I'm telling you. Know, they are doing it because of the, the the people who are already working in those countries for a maybe yeah. 50% lesser salary. So yeah. the expense is going to you know, that's going to be a detrimental expense immediate. It's not even like gradual increase, right? 
Yeah, one. Two is it's also about fairness, right? So people have moved from, say, Bay Area workforces to, let's say, Europe or Southeast Asia and are getting those salaries. But the people who've already been working there have been getting those like salaries from that, that are per the market standard there. So it's not fair to them. So would that mean that even there, the people who've been working there, their salaries go up? Yeah, because, yeah, that's true. I mean, that's a good way to look at it because... What we are talking about is a very small percentage of tech funded tech startups, but not the whole yeah. industry or, you know, work ecosystem, so to say. Yeah, counterpoint is that the only reason why uh, developing countries or, you know, corporates are looking at developing countries to set up uh, offshore centers is for that very reason. And the that, yeah, the workforce is cheaper, the talent is cheaper, infrastructure is cheaper, setting, they get a lot of swaps for actually setting up, uh, you know, centers in these countries, like, for example, SEZs and all of that. Mm-hmm. So in a way, they're contributing to the economic development of that, that location or that region or that country for that very reason. But if you take that away... Yeah, end of the day, they are bringing jobs to that country and, yeah, yeah. you know, If you take that away, then do you think developing nations will ever de- develop or underdeveloped nations? Yeah, yeah, that's true. If you look at it from a very top-level view, I think that's how the world is developing today. A lot of money and resources flow from developed nations, not necessarily nations, but just huge corporations and whose GDPs are probably bigger than most of the nations in the world whose revenues are bigger than most GDPs of nations in the world. And that is being put into developing smaller nations or something where they find talent or they're able to see a potential of building something. So from a, from a larger perspective, like not looking at it from, you know, probably employees perspective or anything like that, but for larger economic development also, I think, this model is necessary. I agree. So now connected to that, how will people end up making decisions? For example, will we see lesser people wanting to migrate to the US? Assuming that that happens. If that happens, assuming that a lot of US-based companies will now open up their doors to hire talent in India. Uh, and we'll, we'll be more accommodative uh, like with that talent working remotely. Yeah, see, there are multiple factors, right? Like I think uh, in India itself, like forget cross-country, in India itself, I think a lot of people are going to move out from places like Bombay and Bangalore and maybe Delhi and move to the smaller towns close by, which are like maybe two 300 kilometers away, like maybe, you know, hills in Delhi, um, maybe that whole forest belt near Bangalore or whatever. I think a lot yeah, of even people Pune, are for that example, even Pune, yeah. Yeah. a lot of people are going to do that simply because, uh, you know, uh, they want to move out from the city life. Most of them there anyway, stay in rental apartments with very high rents. And I think people in general, at least the, the younger modern Indian crowd is, you know, very inclined towards better quality of life in general and people are anyways now in india more and more on travel big on travel big on experiences so i think a lot of people with their current jobs and the current status itself they will move to different locations purely to just save costs forget costs 
just a better life style and a better in general a better living like healthier living yeah yeah there was this even it's happening or it's already happening in the us as well uh what do you say uh, over the past 3 months or 6 months uh rental prices in sf and the bay area has dropped by about 17% because people are not seeing value in living there anymore because of the lockdown and everything but in that same period sacramento san diego all of those rental prices have risen by about 5 to 7% that is because of the influx of people from the bay area moving to these closer towns and that's happening a lot in new york also where people are moving to the suburbs instead of staying like in manhattan and the more densely populated areas i think that's also happening that I, that's exactly what's happening i think in india also in the overcrowded urban metros like bombay or delhi or stuff like that i think it's a global phenomenon where all of this is happening quite a bit so so there are actually two ways of looking at it right like there are two big movements that are going to happen one is like people will end up moving domestically only like within the same countries uh, across states or across cities within the same state but right. the second question is will it increase cross country migration in the sense that uh previously people had the mindset that oh there's a headquarters in the us or there's a headquarters in london so our north star or goal is to like move to london or move to yeah work out of the headquarters work from the headquarters but Correct. now will that mindset change where i can be like let me go and set up my base in bali because i can do that now i can work for my big tech company from bali uh the time zone like that that secondary but if i'm given the option and they're flexible enough for me to like work out of anywhere i want hell yes i can just go and work out of bali so will that that rockstar thing is a little i think it in the future if it continues like this i think it will become a little less of a factor yeah like for example if you give me a choice i would love to do something like that if i can but then, yeah then the second question is how will like countries like will countries be open to that because uh, you're not working for a corporation that's established in that particular country but you're moving there to live there and work for a corporation that's based in uh, the us and drawing salary from a us based company that doesn't have a setup in let's say bali right so what sort of a visa are you applying for you're not a tourist uh you're not working for a company that's in that country yeah work permits will be a little hazy yeah very interesting yeah 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 right. how would companies set up like corporations in uh, across the world if there are no physical locations like i think there will have to be some changes there as well where maybe they're established as remote locations and they don't necessarily have a physical address yeah what they do have like their workforce working from those locations yeah but don't you think that's already happening there are already 100% remote companies right yeah so i think that that's a very good point to start to see what are the kind of uh one compensation options two uh working options three legal compliance visa work permits and all of that that's happening with these companies good point to start yeah even i have no idea about yeah that. that's a whole um, i mean that's what even these guys all the digital nomads group and all that's what even they used to talk about right like if you are 
living that life out how are you handling your taxation how is company company handling your taxation and all of that so i think that is all which is why i said that uh currently it's not really remote work it's just work from home in pandemic that's all because all these tools will change i think there will be a different zoom for remote work there will be a different whatever for everything it's it's just that we don't have those tools accessible yet because nobody really expected it all like for example i'm sure there will be a maybe a better or a simpler or a different version of a slack for a 100% remote team you know tools which are built ground up thinking about 100% remote culture considering all the limitations that you have said which is different time zones different you know cultures different work styles whatever there will be tools which will probably help fix that i think that's a good segue into my second question which is what are some of the industries that will actually pick up um to support remote working so clearly like slack and everything and all of these collaboration tools so i'm saying is there are companies that uh can benefit from the current environment where slack workplace and all of that because there's a lot more scope for innovation but the ones who were highly dependent on the collaborative workspace model like in, in like physical workspace model they are the ones who will be displaced now so everything to do with say furniture supply for like big offices like they're definitely going to get screwed uh companies that would service offices Uh, like yeah, yeah, it's a completely industrial it's like industrial revolution in a lot of ways right because uh, yeah. there will be businesses which will get killed like i think india may there, there were reports about uh, how telemedicine in india has been trying to pick up for how many years and there are how many startups and nothing ever happened and mm-hmm. just one covid everything has just gone online in like less than 30 days right yeah. um and i was talking to somebody the other day like he was telling me that from delhi and cr all the hospitals all the big hospitals are either on microsoft teams 90% of them are on teams and the others are on zoom but mm. 99% of the calls still happen on whatsapp video calls because mm. the hospital staff has been trained for zoom and uh, teams the patients mm. still don't know how to use zoom and teams oh interesting right so nobody till date has tried solving that problem Mm. till date everybody is talking about oh let's use zoom let's use teams let's use this let's use that but like practically i had to teach my dad and mom how to use uh, zoom differently on their phone and how the experience is very different on the laptop yeah these solutions are built in isolation right like they're not meant to be that's exactly why that's exactly why i said that there will be whole different probably whole different breed of tools which will come out for which will be remote first tools but here's the thing let's say a company like apple which builds its own ecosystem and is not very friendly with uh being open to you know cross platform compatibility will companies like those be forced to change their mindset or will yeah. they say no this ecosystem will develop everything end to end no there is an alternate already right like i mean everybody has their own ecosystem plus they have cross as well right you have the whole apple i messages facetime ecosystem you have a whatsapp to you know 
do a cross pollination between android users so everybody has a system which is enabling users to sort of you know cross over so i think that will continue to be that way anyways no my example is like there's no facetime api right like can facetime yeah, that is their proprietary uh, application right i mean i don't think facetime is ever meant to turn or become an open ended uh, uh, system pretty much like imessage or pretty much like how whatsapp is or how hangouts slash messages slash now google meet slash everything that google is trying to do which is what i'm trying to say like will there be a future where let's say you have teams but you have the facetime api for like video calls maybe yeah maybe but that's i think that's redundant and maybe this creates unnecessary complication it easier than that is just have a i mean what you already have in terms of a web experience right where you can now i mean end of the day it's becoming more and more open in some ways right you don't any more need a microsoft account to use skype you don't need a microsoft account to join teams meeting you don't need a zoom account to join zoom meetings your so yeah so only the guys who are starting the meetings are you know the guys who are creating accounts but the viewers or participants aren't really required to do much but just single click and join makes us Uh, yeah. people have to buy laptops for their kids for themselves for their spouses for their parents out of this ecosystem at least minimum two laptops they have to buy i'm actually seeing it at home itself because my dad is the one who used to use the laptop because mom would go to school and now they're forced to get a second laptop because my mom has to take like yeah another thing that's happening is like all these uh, school children and everything is online classes yeah. no yeah. so like I, poor families are not afford to are not able to afford laptops even if they have to buy phones they are not able people to people are that. suiciding and all man like phone smartphone nahi hai college and school classes attend nahi kar pa rahe data recharge nahi kar pa rahe and all yeah fuck man yeah that's the like there are now drives going online like uh, the ngos kind of drives there there are now drives going on for uh, used computers used phones and all to donate for uh, these kids that's the bigger that's the, yeah, that's yeah, the bigger concern to... that you know what you are saying about the disparity of pay and remote work yeah. and location right the bigger mm-hmm. concern is in the education system because now the kid who has access to better infrastructure can perform yeah has access to better education basically and that's a very that's a very big 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 factor now like there are like articles and all being written about it people are de- de- debating about it that you know for no fault of theirs just because their parents can't afford a smartphone or a 4G or a wifi or a whatever you know they might probably just not get educated properly also yeah i, I see that as like one of the negatives but i also see one of the positives being that 
the kids who are let's say in middle class or slightly lower middle class they can potentially come to parity with uh, richer kids because universities will not be able to charge the premiums that they used to charge before and so higher education in like better universities could so there are two things one that could be more affordable and two the quality of education that's being provided uh, across the board let's say in private schools public schools government schools will all be at the same level playing field because all of them are going to use like remote modules to uh, for for kids so there won't be like a difference in yeah, I mean, quality uh, of yeah but that's still a very small subset right because i think the larger at least in the developing nations the larger concern is going to be uh you know purely the poor, the poor yeah. so yeah i think the gap will be reduced between like uh, rich and say middle class but poor will be left far behind yeah 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 and like i mean i know of people who are struggling with uh, you know or let's say two kids two kids parents right they are really struggling they you know they pretty much like need four laptops four people working in like a 1 bhk to 2 bhk flat it's just not happening yeah that's that's the whole problem of that you know people think this is remote work and this is how bad it's going to be and this is how difficult it's going to be because in your regular remote work your, your kids will probably go to their school like how they go to school on a day to day basis but then that's the larger question right so if in a way schools are saving money by now by reducing the operational expense in like running the school can they divert that money to buy equipment for kids like laptops they want the schools in india are already charging people fees for bus fee and library fee for these months seriously yes yeah, so yeah they, they won't they have the same thing what they have done is they have uh, the government has capped or the government has told that you can't increase school fee right mm-hmm. so the school fee remains the same so but the operation cost the, yeah but the operation cost for the school like should significantly go down right like they're not Doesn't paying electricity obviously yes. they're not but the schools are still charging it's like it's there on the national news and stuff that the schools are taking bus fee and when parents are fighting they are saying okay you don't pay the bus fee for 2 months but after that you have to pay interesting yeah so it's a it's a very different uh, problem that people are facing now and are are, are dealing with also because the reason why i bring that up is because like if you're looking at offices here that have asked their employees to work from home they've actually given employees like 1000 2000 to set up their entire home environment like get a desk get a if they want they can get a laptop or like webcams keyboards and things like that so i would assume yeah, that that's like one of less than 1% of yeah yeah i'm just saying i would assume that uh, that could apply to every sector where if you're saving operational costs in like maintaining a facility that money can be diverted to buying equipment for like the workforce or for like kids like computers and stuff is my 
theory. Uh, but clearly, it, that doesn't look like it. Yeah, I don't think that's happening anywhere. I think the same complaint that university, schools, students across the world have, mm-hmm. for that matter. Oh, here's, a, here's an interesting thing where now that people like will end up working remotely, does that lead to more vulnerable vulnerabilities in uh, proprietary information being leaked? No, a lot of them are asked to join or uh, join VPN networks and everything. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, that I understand. Yeah. But here's the thing, like a lot of like conversations and stuff, uh, sensitive conversations are confined to like spaces in the office, like your workspace, right? Pre-COVID, when you were working in an office. But let's say you're living with roommates and, you know, like you're in a PG and everything. Walls are like fairly thin. So if you're on a call and you're discussing like the next Apple chip that's going to be launched, people in the house can hear your conversation. So it becomes that much harder to keep conversations and information confidential while you're working from home, right? Yeah, yeah. I think, I mean, more than that, you're spilling over your conversations across different channels, right? It's on email, it's on WhatsApp, it's on Slack, it's wherever. Yeah, but I think it's not like a big challenge as such. Companies that thrive on secrecy will figure out a way to avoid that no matter what. Let it be creating private networks or making sure that the calls are not being overheard or stuff like that. Yeah, but to answer your question, I think yeah, there is a there is a higher potential for trade secrets being leaked out and stuff like that. I'll give you a simple example, right? Like some companies they don't allow you to carry your laptop home, like your work laptop home. Uh, but now they're forced to do that. I think I know this from Apple to a certain degree. I may be wrong. Where a friend of mine was joining the company and they were like, yeah, we're not going to give you a work laptop, like your laptop, your, like your desktop or whatever is going to be at work. Hmm. Yeah, that, that, that's I'm a very common sure. thing in the financial space anyways, right? Yeah, that too. Where I don't, don't know if you remember like Wells Fargo, like you were not allowed to, allowed to carry a camera phone in the office. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that's true. It'd be interesting to see how those industries and companies uh, will function. Correct. Yeah, but I think the technology, the capabilities already exist to avoid secrets being leaked either intentionally or unintentionally and also a little bit of common sense where if somebody is getting on a call where they know that there are some there is some confidential information being discussed just make sure that you are away from everybody kind of idea. yeah i'm just saying like in this environment it uh, it increases like the vulnerability in like, yeah definitely does definitely information being leaked yeah it's as as soon as you are out of the same location i think any in any scenario, it increases. Yeah. 
Are we going to talk about conclusion? What is it? So yeah, I know. I think we discussed quite a bit in terms of remote work, the future of remote work, how everything will happen, what the future is, and the different tools that are available right now to replicate or you know that enable remote work to be a little more uh, social and stuff like that, and also how we can how it's going to affect people socially if you are remote. Working remotely is it going to make you a little less social, more social, whatever it is? But yeah, final thoughts. Anybody has anything? It's it for me. It's hard to summarize because uh, I mentioned this in the beginning that this 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 may just be like the next industrial revolution where there's a lot for us to learn from it. I don't think we have enough data to say whether this is good or bad. but it requires uh, a big change in just the education system industries uh interpersonal interactions uh yeah i think a lot of things will have to change and yeah, it, it's yeah. hard to say whether we're trending in the right direction or not it will take a lot of iterations to find the sweet spot but in the path to get there a lot of people and jobs and industries will be displaced so the key thing to ensure is how can you like progress with less collateral as less collateral damage as possible possible than like really disrupting like a lot of lives and jobs yeah to just to add to that i think what you said in terms of whether this is the right direction or no i think it's the right direction that we are heading towards so no matter what scenario you are in i think you will have to work and build towards enabling this to be the right decision yeah. so what are whatever decisions people are taking let it be an industry like it where it's built for remote work you don't have to be among your coworkers you are not jointly working on you know probably running a machine or something like that or even if it's manufacturing where automation could help enable that yeah either way everybody is saying yeah yeah your life has in a lot of ways accelerated by at least 10 years right you have probably done 5 years of work in 3 months in terms of adoption to tech in all aspects Yes, so, that is true. I think, yeah, I think a lot of people are forwarding the future. So yeah, yeah, a lot of people who have no idea. I think we are one of the fortunate ones where we are in an industry or space where we are already used to this. But I think for a lot of people, it has been a huge learning curve over the past two three months. If it has not been a learning curve, then I think it has been very. Uh, I think they have just sat at home and done nothing. Which is even worse, like restaurants, restaurant staff, and everything. Where they they probably don't have jobs to do. So stuff like that. So yeah, I think yeah, that makes sense. Imagine the number of lives that would potentially. So there are two other positives that I want to. This is not conclusion. This is just like continuing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, people not. Uh, 
like the number of the, the drop in the number of lives lost in like say car accidents or motorcycle accidents because people are not rushing or commuting to work every day uh, <laughs> yeah there there are reports right the hospitals are out of business because people are not dying enough people are not going to hospitals they are not yeah. going for treatments they are not going for injuries they are not getting injured yeah so i read this funnily enough i read this article a uh, few weeks back specifically about india where they say that in the same period in the same time period between march and june the the overall death rate has dropped in india yeah <laughs> except i think orissa why orissa i don't know why orissa but that is the only that i think orissa or one one state is an anomaly everywhere else across india deaths have dropped by almost 7 to 8% because of accidents and violence and all of that yeah the other way to look at it is that people are just driving like batshit crazy because the roads are empty so the likelihood of death <laughs> is actually higher but yeah it looks like that percentage is lower yeah, yeah much much lower right it's a crazy article man i'll share the link with you guys if i find it and the second positive is obviously the environmental impact right like because yeah. there's lesser traffic on the on the roads there's lesser greenhouse gases being emitted by like these big office buildings um yeah the environmental impact is also a big thing to consider hmm yeah the environmental impact is a huge thing to consider the, the impact on air travel where people don't have to travel a, like every single like depending on the industry that you are in they figured out ways to keep the work going without having to travel to get to a physical location so there's definitely big 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 impact on the environment as well if you could in the question i i think the environmental impact will probably even out one way or the other unless people take conscious steps which i don't see forget people i think more industries and there is policy changes as such because i think a majority of the environmental impact is because of industry it's not because of people driving cars even though oh, yeah, is, yeah, yeah. i'm not just saying that it's one it's a small factor but it yeah. could be a drop in the ocean but yeah yeah that's, that's pretty much it is about 1 or 2% in yeah. terms of uh, individual contribution the bigger contribution is industries and you know how environmentally friendly their processes are oh yeah hello and thank you for tuning into the first boiled egg podcast appreciate you listening and hope you liked it please email us tag us with your comments and feedback on social media or otherwise we would love to hear from you subscribe to us for upcoming episode and if there's anything you would like us to talk about let us know Until then take care stay safe and wash your hands